0: welcome to the Seamless Podcast. We interview world-class industry leaders about innovation within the commercialization arena. We engage with entrepreneurs and global enterprises about the vast world of technology and how it collides with the Midwest's deeply rooted manufacturing industries. Whether you're an entrepreneur or a corporate executive, our objective is to take you on an exploration of the commercialization landscape that is responding to the change in both the physical and the digital world's Each series will speak with our coalition of global companies and sponsor partners, as well as the startups and companies participating in the seamless commercialization program, all working together to bring innovative products to market. Join us as we take a closer look into the smart home, connected healthcare, workplace innovation, manufacturing, connected automotive, and the retail markets. Hello, this is Mike Morin, and welcome to the Seamless podcast. Uh, today we have Tom DeVries from Thoughtful, a strategy design firm uh, here in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, but really a global firm. Tom just happens to be here in Grand Rapids, and I, and I think that's one of the things that makes Grand Rapids interesting. When you start having conversations around design and strategy, you find that there are, are you know global assets that live here um, in this relatively unknown, you know, Midwest community. Tom has been an integral part of Seamless and uh, working with uh, the enterprises that are part of Seamless as we think through designing our own strategy in, in terms of how we do this. And today, I was thinking we'd have a little bit of a conversation about innovation um, and specifically as it pertains uh, to enterprises, because Tom's done a lot of work with with global enterprises and just how that landscape is changing. Uh, you know, the notion of what's a startup and what's an enterprise and what's innovation versus what's just business. All right.
1: Uh, first, I want to, before we go to horizon planning, uh, thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Um, this idea of what's happening between enterprises and startups is the first thing you touched on. What I find so interesting in that space is how they're both trying to be more like each other. Um, startups uh, are trying to achieve attributes of of scale and so on, but have to work under the constraints of delivering subscale and enterprises are trying to um, remove all of, like actually put themselves in a box of constraints to actually get themselves to sharpen their focus areas and figure out what exactly is it that we need to do to build our future. And so it's interesting because you've got this fence and you've got parties on either side and they're both trying to be 50% of what the other already is and um, now we're seeing this huge emergence of partnership around um, which you you guys at Seamless are, are at the center of creating of like, how do we create a marketplace where they can trade the best acts, hmm. aspects of each other that are desirable on the other side of the fence and build mutual value. Um, now it just so happens that um, startups, when we talk about horizon planning, they, they're not indentured to their past because there's really nothing there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what we see in an enterprise environment quite frequently is an organization gets so tied to what they made yesterday that they have trouble thinking of their identity is tied to what they made yesterday, and they have trouble thinking about with all the available technology changing business models uh, uh, and the, the wild wild west economy that we live in today, they have trouble thinking beyond what they were yesterday and so all of their future activities are based in their former identity rather than what's possible. Whereas a startup starts with what's possible and they have no identity that they're tied to so they just see a much more open charter. And, and I've been excited to be around Seamless because you start to see what it looks like when we work across those boundaries.
0: So this is interesting. Your, your, your comments raise a whole bunch of points. And, and for anybody that knows both you know Tom and myself, you, you'll know this conversation is going to wander all over the place. But uh, uh, hopefully it will be interesting. So what's changed is, is something different than it's been in the past. So if I think about the normal cycles, because I live both in the venture capital world and the start, you know and the enterprise world, and, and, the, and the the historical cycle has been you know enterprise meanders along, startup venture backed disrupts enterprise, you know a- enterprise you know usually either buys startup and ruins it. Or uh, you know, or the or the startup wins and creates a new industry. So you're you're talking about this world where they want to be like each other. But but in your mind, is, is there a way you know? We're, and this is the experiment we're doing at Seamless. How, how do they coexist? How do they work together versus this kind of either or, you know, um, innovators dilemma kind of world that people talked about for the last you know ten years.
1: I think the first thing that's changed is. Um, Organizations used to exclusively try to innovate from within, uh, but they've come to recognize that that's not the only mechanism. And as uh, you know, we went through a couple of tech startups, a bubble, or, you know, a crash, an emergence. Venture capital as a professional uh, collection of activities has really come into its own, and there are lots of people who are quite good at it and understand the mechanisms of managing a portfolio and so on. So it's interesting to to see how venture capital used to be venture capitalists exclusively, and now you're seeing corporate venture capital become kind of a must-have if you're an enterprise. Um, And uh, if you're not going to build it internally, you better find a way to get access to it Hmm. because sometimes buying a capability or buying a new offering or buying your way into a client base that you can extend yourself into um, is a better, faster transition than actually doing it. Now where that gets sticky is the cultural integration of those types of acquisitions and the autonom- the degree to which you let them live autonomously as Google has done with say Nest, quite a bit of autonomy in that relationship versus Integrating them into the core, which can you think of a good example of something that either did or didn't
0: go well there? No, I mean, I think, I think we'll all be hard pressed to come up with examples of of how startups were integrated well within. I mean, I think the most successful stories, as as you've alluded to, allow the startup to kind of be its startup, and even if that means cannibalizing yeah. something from you know from the core enterprise, I may mean, think it's easy for enterprises to say. You know, we'd rather be invested in something that cannibalizes us than to have something we're not. But the the, the actual practice of that, um, especially for publicly traded companies, I think is is in, increasingly you know problematic. So you know, I think when we when we created Seamless, what we realized was missing is there there was no soft landing spot for this. There was no place for these people to date. Right, and and that's what was creating some of the problem. It, you know, you had to go from you know I just met you to let's get married, um, and and I think that you know you know we don't have this figured out, but I think that's some of the experiment is to uncover. I think our enterprises and our startups are uncovering the good parts, but the challenges as, yeah. as you're talking about, and a lot of those are cultural.
1: I think it's a big point. Uh, you know, this notion of of dating. I think what that starts to fly in the face of. Is back to your question of what's changed, and I think enterprises are starting to wake up to the fact that uh, they can't control everything. The balance of power in the in the economics of our world has shifted, and now uh, consumer power is dramatically larger. And the ability of a startup to have virtually nothing played by a different set of rules and change an entire industry is more powerful than ever. So corporations are having to walk away from, or at least diminish uh, kind of this mentality of we have to own and control everything. And they're actually similar to the consumer economy where we're seeing the sharing economy emerge and people walk away from ownership of cars and uh, you know, rental properties, you know businesses that are not asset heavy. We're even seeing corporations say, how do I invest in and get access to the intellectual property in that startup? Um, as opposed to having to own the whole thing and possibly stifle it through the way we manage it. Um, so we're, it's it's fascinating how the B2B uh, economy and how the, the relationship even between venture capital, startup, and enterprise is changing and it's all tied to this, this abstraction of ownership and mm-hmm. saying, is that really necessary What's in there that I really want? Do I need to
0: own the whole thing? That's great. Because I, I, I think what we're seeing is, is the relationship between the customer and the enterprise is fundamentally changing. Um, one of the, you know, the other things we talk about a lot at Seamless is how vertical markets are just disappearing. Because almost nothing really happens within a vertical anymore. Um, and I think about the most recent mapping exercise that we did, right? And, and, we, and we and we end up getting down to really at the end of the day, this whole thing is about individuals having aspirations and goals, and you know maybe those are related to their health, their finances, their career, their family, whatever that is, right? And and really, what companies and brands have done for years and do is help them help them achieve those, right? Yeah. So so let let's let's think about that a little bit, you know, right, so so you can't own the customer anymore because you're only one small part of of their existence. Okay. So what does that look like now, right? So so when we used to talk about, you know, mind share and brand dominance and owning owning a you know owning a customer, what 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 is the new relationship with the customer? You know, I mean even if we talk about our companies, if you're a steel case, if you're a Meyer store, if you're you know, an automotive, you know, foresee your automotive interior, what, what, you know, what is that, what is that looking like or starting to take shape in the new economy?
1: It's, what you're highlighting, I think, is a, a shift in the competitive landscape and how we think about it and act against it in, in the coming world. As the balance of power has shifted, um, uh, companies can't own customers. I was just in Las Vegas for the Future of Travel Experience Conference, which was primarily tied to the aviation industry. And uh, we met with a lot of organizations um, from some of the uh, best airports in the world um, to uh, service providers on the ground at airports to uh, vice presidents of a variety of airlines to uh, Boeing, and kind of across the value chain in that industry. And you'd go in session after session where you'd be meeting with and talking with people or seminars of speakers and everyone would talk and was, would use the words, who owns the customer experience? We're gonna own the customer experience. We're gonna own this customer experience. So this is actually contradictory to what we've just said, that companies are willing to give up ownership. But now what they're saying, man, if we could own one thing, we would own the customer relationship. The problem with that statement is, when you talk about ownership, it's almost like, you're talking about them like it's a slave in the 18 or early 1900s. Nice. That's not how a customer wants to be thought about. They want someone to forge and earn a relationship with them, not someone to own a relationship with them. It means you need to earn it. Mm. It means you need to do something that matters so that they choose to reciprocate in that relationship and be a part of it. The notion of of a company having to wake up and earn a profit again instead of make or take a profit, which is how they've come to talk about it in recent years, is profound. Hmm. And the companies that are really handing it to the marketplace and, and smoking everybody, they've come onto the scene and they're behemoths in 10 years or less, the Googles, the Amazons, they're all focused on forging customer relationships. And I, 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 the way they talk about things Um, on their websites and in everything they do is relationship driven, not ownership driven in those customer relationships. And so it's really, really critical that we do that. So where that goes in the horizon landscape, when you think about thinking about uh, horizons, what we do is we look at, uh, we did this activity recently with companies from a variety of industries Mm -hmm. and we said, what does the world look like in a fully functioning, smart and connected world? multiple industries and we started to craft a simple, kind of short view of what would that world look like? What can people do? And what infrastructure needs to be in place to enable that? It starts to tee organizations up in this mentality of what would we do to create a better world for the people we serve as the competitive landscape instead of how do we compete against them with better features on a car, in a plane, on a chair, through
0: a service or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and when we did that exercise, I think some of the things that that stood out to me in kind of a profound way is is when we start looking at these things that we continue to affectionately call like red threads, right? So when you and I get up every day, I don't I don't think about my retailer or my office or my car or my home. You know, I'm consumed every day with my family, my relationships, my finances, my career, maybe some travel, maybe... Th- these are the things I think about, right? And, and, I'm, and I'm doing them in all these different places. So as we're doing this, and each of these enterprises is mapping it out, one, just seeing how little any one of them can particularly impact that, yeah. you know, the outcomes. They can collectively do it. They can enable it, but they can't really impact it. And then secondly, the one to me was when we got in the conversations about individual aspirations and goals how you know i think about how disney's been held up for years as the ultimate in experience right but that was here's how you come to disney and experience their world
1: yep.
0: not how does disney help you wow. experience <laughs> the world you're trying to design the world you're we have access to so many more inputs and we can envision so many more outcomes for ourselves now that i don't need a brand to tell me how I want to live or what I want to aspire to. Now, I need them to help me achieve it, but it's one thing to, to experience their experience. It's another thing for them to help me craft and experience mine.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I haven't thought about this in a long time. It's, it's quite profound what you just said. Uh, Disney creates an experience for you in an artificial world that they can control the rules of, but it's distinctly different than what most companies are doing, which is trying to impact... Your life in an environment that they can't control on a
0: daily basis. Yeah, I mean, I think more and more we are starting to position seamless at the at the intersections of these. So, so I think about you know the notions of uh, Fursia Automotive and a steel case um, as we start to move towards autonomous work, right? You know, autonomous vehicles, and a lot of what's going to happen in those vehicles is work. Yep. Right. So how. You know, so so we're you know we're actively scouting technologies, um, you know that can that can fall in that space, and and so, but what I think needs to happen is from the enterprise standpoint, is they're in this place where they have to deconstruct their business. You know, you've talked about how they built this business that moves in a direction, but if they went back to their original core. So every one of these companies, whether it's Meijer, Steelcase, Foreseo, if you ask me what they do, that's dramatically different than what they know. Or what they make. Or what they make. Exactly. So you know, I, I may have codified my intellectual capital into a particular business model service product, but at the, at the core value, where the value really comes from, if you back into it, it's it's a worldview. It's years of experience and in interaction with customers and learning. And, you know, Steelcase being just one example, and I've, I've mentioned it before, whenever I intersect with them, the amount of knowledge they have on how people work and live and productivity and work-life balance astounds me. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. And, but then thinking about you know how you can use that in the future, right? And then how do you use startups? I mean, this is what we found is that is that the startups, in some cases, the 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 interactions are great. and in some some cases, it's 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 interesting material around which to have a conversation within the enterprise. So whether that's the enterprises talking to each other or the startups talking to the enterprises, I think it's really um, the magic is in the platform not necessarily any one little piece that comes into it, but bringing all of that kind of stuff together.
1: um, Everybody's a part of it. A lot of companies haven't realized yet that they are a part of it. They're still playing by the old games where our competitive set is set by the same people that our market is identified by, the industry boundaries and so on, but then when you get organizations like Volvo and Audi looking at uh, delivering packages to your car, instead of your house, why on earth would they be in that business? Because they've woken up to the new competitive landscape, which is we've got to serve our audiences in more meaningful ways, so we're willing to go outside of our traditional industry boundaries. People are ordering more things online, which means goods want to come to people instead of people wanting to go to goods, which means that there's a secure chamber by which we can deliver those things. And it's closer to where the person actually is, so we could probably forge a more meaningful relationship with our audience by adding this feature set into our car. So you're not even in the automotive biz- business yeah. anymore. It just the automobile becomes yeah. a platform by which you deliver additional value into that person's life.
0: You know, this is just again one of the one of the weird places we find ourselves in right now that we're not very much in a black and white either or. Um, world right now as it pertains to business it's it's kind of a, a, a both and um, situation I'm both enterprise I'm both startup I'm both digital I'm both physical I'm product I'm service and in trying to you know trying to reconcile you, you know those those differences i think is is a can create some anxious times for both startups and enterprises
1: and consumers
0: oh yeah yeah they're the victim they're the innocent victims they're the yeah. collateral damage
1: so so I mean we still work with organizations who are uh, bragging to us that, um, yeah, we've got our digital operation up and running. Um, Like they're just getting it up. And in those conversations, I sit back and take a deep breath and think. Like like, what does that mean? And I think, oh my goodness, you still think they're two different things. Um, Like how I interact with my phone should be, a result of my contextual environment in the physical world. So it's digital physical interlays, right? The complexity that an organization has to manage is unprecedented. My phone should work differently. This digital interface should work differently when I'm behind the wheel of my car than it does when I'm sitting on the sofa in my living room. Uh, But it doesn't respond to those natures. So you cannot separate the physical and digital relationship of an experience because the two combine to do it. Now, pause for a moment and think about when you wake up in the morning and the first time you look at your phone. Every app essentially is like a kiosk in physical space trying to do often very similar things, right? I have a series of travel apps that do almost exactly the same thing. Um, I have a Delta app, I have a United app, I have an American app, and they're all using digital real estate to try to capture my attention, but but we're making the same kind of mistakes. So one of the huge opportunities that startups are doing that old school companies can't do, companies that are born digital um, and move towards the physical world because they can get in the game cheaper oftentimes through software and hardware, is they... They tend to start from a premise of not making the mistakes that were made by business yesterday because they're not trapped in the old school thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the value of, of why a company should be wanting to actively partner with newer companies, younger companies. Some of the smartest executives of our time are in their 20s and 30s. Yet in traditional organizations, you can't rise through an organization that fast. It's like drafting a hot young quarterback and putting them on the bench for 15 years and not giving them any game experience. It just doesn't make sense. Right. So our enterprises don't know how to elevate talent and yep. develop it, but startups are just saying, you know what, I'm gonna find a way to pierce your world whether or not I do it through your organization. Yeah. I'm actually liberated by not being trapped in your organization. And so they can also capture a collection of talent that they literally can hire but can't keep. Right. And even if they kept it, a whole th- group of millennials
0: just stood up and applauded for you, Tom. You just, you know, you just scored huge, <laughs> huge points with the millennial crowd on the uh, on on that perspective. Which, but I think there's, you know, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of truth in it.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: well, as usual, you know, Tom, you and I could. This could be a fourteen-part series. Um, <laughs> let let's bring this home a little bit. And so, from your perspective, as you're interacting with some of these these enterprises, and and what you know, where, where do they start? What what can they be doing today? You know, I, I, you know, they don't always move at lightning speed. But but what you know, what can they be doing? Where you know, where where do you start? Where do you focus? Um,
1: if. You know, when we did our little horizon activity cross industry a few weeks ago and we started to look out at it, what does the distant future look like? One of the big points that came out from all organizations is, you know, if we look at kind of near term horizon, we tend to think about our company and what we want to do. If we look out across multiple horizons in a distant future, uh, the user, everything is about service of, of the user. And so the first thing I would recommend to any organization is you've got to build intimacy with the people you serve. Um, Variety of mechanisms to do that. There's a way you can track data um, and and those types of information. There are qualitative approaches, such as design research. There's empathy building activities. Um, That's one thing. The second thing is craft a vision for what the future of your organization is gonna look like, not just about your company, but what is the world you're going to unlock for the people you serve. Um, What portions of that can you influence and control? And what portions of it um, do you have to be willing to say we have to fit into their world instead of own and control it? Um, And then the third thing is stop trying to own and control everything, um, including every business capability and develop the ability to partner and invest in areas that are important to your organization instead of trying to create everything from within. Um, You can't do it all. Um, You you used to run one business on a highly optimized efficiency scale. The business of the future is, is looking at configuration of a series of capabilities, and then being able to kind of configure pieces of those capabilities to deliver experience one over here and experience two over there and experience three over there. So you're not running one equation for optimal efficiency right now you're optimizing subsystems with different kind of audiences and so you've got to think about um, what are the few things we want to be good at and then how do we gap fill with partnerships to serve different audiences in different environments
0: yeah good good stuff so you know so as as we've been talking the one thread that just keeps running through my mind from from what you said is if you're coming just this simple exercise of you, you know drop the notion of control drop it from your vocabulary drop it from your planning yeah you know assume that it's that it's a myth it can't be done and if your only path forward is through enablement yes what's that path right what what does that look like who do and i have to partner those, with what are those mechanisms yeah what are the mechanisms what needs to be in place what needs to happen for me you know for me to help my customers enable the experience and the, and the life that they're trying to achieve—not my vision for them, their vision for them. How do I do that? And that just that exercise alone—if you went through your current business model and said, "Where are we trying to control? Where are we trying to enable?" Yep. I think would be fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, great conversation. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining another edition of the Seamless uh, Podcast. Uh, we'll be coming at you on a regular basis. Please follow us on all social media as uh, Seamless IoT. Uh, Or you can visit us at SeamlessAccelerator.com and tell us a little bit about your business and we'll get back to you. Thanks.